Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, Real Talk, Grounded in Truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone, and today I'm joined by Jenny Katrin. Jenny is the founder of The Foresight Group, a consulting group focused on developing healthy leaders and thriving organizations through coaching, consulting, and culture workshops. She's a speaker and author and has written three books on leadership, which we will get to later. She has also served on the executive leadership teams of Menlo Church in Menlo Park, California, and Cross Point Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Jenny's heart is for leaders, specifically building them up and helping them lead themselves well before they try to lead others. Leadership is something we at Forward know is a loaded topic for many of the women in our audience. It's not easy to be a leader in general, but being a woman in leadership means facing unique obstacles on top of everything else. Jenny is here today to talk all about leadership and to hopefully help ease the anxiety and burnout current women in leadership may be facing, as well as getting confident in enough in our abilities and in God's calling to pursue a leadership position, even if it feels like the absolute last thing you want to do. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. Excited to be with you guys. And, uh, you know, the short version of this is that I didn't really understand or know the leadership word for most of my early growing up years. But as I reflect back, I can see just a lot of opportunities to be given responsibilities for leadership and naturally sought those out without, you know, putting the title on them. So I loved music as a little girl and I set my sights on Nashville, Tennessee to work in the music business and landed a job at a record company and spent uh, almost the first decade of my career working in the music business in Nashville and thought that would be my dream job. I thought that I would be the CEO of a record company someday. And that was kind of my aspiration pretty early on. And then I had the uh, opportunity and privilege to come on staff at the church that my husband and I were a part of and served as executive director there and got to lead a team that grew from about five staff members to over uh, 75 staff members and just a lot of growth and transition that came with that. And uh, then went to California for a couple years and worked on another church staff, Menlo Church, and uh, helped them with um, overall leadership development, specifically their strategy for uh, multiple locations. And then most recently, about two years ago, we launched the Foresight Group and get to spend my time speaking, writing, consulting with organizations on leadership culture and strategy. So that's uh, kind of the work journey. I'm married. My husband and I will celebrate 20 years in February. So uh, big milestone coming up for us. Yeah, I can't (laughs) believe I'm old enough uh, to be married for 20 years, but really, really grateful that uh, we're celebrating such a fun milestone and uh, no kids of our own. We uh, you know, I had a pretty full career uh, and do, and uh, just always felt called to that. And uh, but I really love the role of Aunt Jenny. So I have some wonderful <laughs> nieces and nephews that I spend as much time as I possibly can spoiling them, and then giving back them back to their to my sisters. So, uh, so that's a little bit of what our world looks like. <laughs> that's so fun. Now, leadership is just a huge broad concept and it reaches into like literally every aspect of our life. So what made you so passionate about leadership? And I know you touched on it a little bit in your intro, but I'd love Mm -hmm. to just kind of hear more about what really launched you as Jenny, the leadership coach. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I kind of stumbled into this uh, in the early days of my music business career in that I got promoted to a position, position of leadership. And while, again, I had had a lot of opportunities to lead in other environments, 
this one, you know, was just a little unusual in that I was, I was overseeing a department at this point in um, the work that I was doing. And I, I really just fumbled it. I mean, the poor person who worked for me, I was barking orders and being, you know, uh, micromanagey and just really creating a, an unhealthy environment in my team. And I went to my boss kind of complaining about my staff. And in turn, he said to me, Jen, if you want to work with widgets, go work in a factory. But if you want to work with people, you're going to have to learn how to love them and how to lead them. And that was kind of the, the key moment where I realized I didn't really have a good understanding of what leadership was or what it really meant. And it, so it sent me on this journey of just a passion to say, I want to do this well. I don't want, I have been micromanaged. I understand what that feels like. I, I've worked in good cultures and I've worked in poor cultures. And if I want to be a person that leads well and has the opportunities to grow in, you know, in, in more, more leadership opportunities, then I need to understand what it means to really lead people well. And the crux of that was the recognition that the word leader, you know, really begins with an understanding of influence that, you know, a lot of times we equate leadership with the position of power, but really leadership begins when you have those opportunities to influence others. And those happen really early on in our lives and our stories. And when we understand the significance of influence, the, the word influence itself means the power to change or affect someone. And when I found that definition, it was just kind of like this sucker punch to the gut of like, wow, when we have influence in somebody else's life, whether that's because of a title that we have and, or it's because we have a relationship with people that allows us to have influence, we have the power to change or affect their lives. And that's sacred work. Like I really need to understand the significance of when I have influence in your life, when we have a relationship of some kind, whether it's a working relationship, a friendship relationship, you know, neighborly, like whatever our relationship looks like, if I have influence, I have the power to change or affect your life. And then if I have a position of leadership that gives me kind of disproportionate influence in your life, you know, how much more intentional do I need to be to make sure I steward that well? Because we've all been led by leaders who understood the significance of that and were life-giving. And we've also, you know, sadly, many of us have had experiences where we've been under a leader who was not so life-giving and didn't really understand the sacred responsibility of influence. And, you know, we usually don't hang around very long if we're working with a leader like that. <laughs> and so, you know, all of that was kind of informing a passion in me to say, I want to do this well. I want to get this right because, you know, I do have aspirations to have more influence and have more leadership responsibility. So I want to know what it means to do this well so that the trajectory of my influence, the trajectory of my leadership, when, when people are talking about it a hundred years from now, they're speaking positively, you know, about the influence Jenny Katrin had in people's lives and stories. So... Now, as a woman who's been a leader, been in leadership, leadership is your world, I know you get this, but we have so many women that come to us and say, you know, me as a leader and my role, you know, in a company, at church, wherever, it looks so different from the guys <laughs> that are also mm -hmm. in leadership. And, you know, I, so I guess my question to you would be, why? Like, why is that? Why do women, I feel like, face totally different leadership issues, maybe? than guys do. You know, it's interesting because I would say, I would say context probably 
influences that a lot, depending on the environment that you're in. I mean, my early experience when I worked in the music business, I don't think my leadership looked all that different from the guys who were leading. And, and I actually think that was a great gift to me because gender was less of a dynamic in that working environment. It was, you know, if you're, if you are, uh, you know, if you're competent and you're, you're showing up and you're engaged and you're, you know, lead, you know, it just didn't, it really was less of an issue. I'm not saying there were oftentimes I was the only female at the table, but it, it was less of an issue. When I went into the church world and worked in ministry full-time, there were a few more dynamics at play that, you know, made it look a little different and a little more challenging for me as a woman. But so I, I think that, I think I probably have a mixed response to that because I think your environment will really, in, will play into that. I also think that your perspective, you know, so naively, I just didn't think it was a big deal that I was a woman leading. Like, I don't know why I, I, and I'm really grateful for that. Cause I realize a lot of women, that's not their story. You know, like, you know, we reluctantly end up in leadership or, uh, you don't have to be convinced that you can lead, you know, and just the uncertainties that some, some of us navigate in stepping into leadership. That wasn't so much my story. And so, and, and, you know, and, and frankly, I don't know. I don't know if I were a guy, if my leadership journey would look a lot different than it does because I'm a woman. Um, but I, I do think probably your, your specific, you know, story, context, um, your own, like, viewpoint and perspective on leadership are probably shaping that. And, um, you know, and again, the environment you're in, if you're one of the few women at the table, that's going to shape it and make it look different than if you're, you know, one of many. So I think it's probably more individualized than just a blanket uh, response to that one personally. Right. And I feel like kind of going off of that. So then if you are having issues or like friction or just, you know, just this tension on your team between men leaders, women leaders, you're saying because it is situational, then it can change. You can make it better. Yeah. I, I mean, and I'm an eternal optimist. So I always believe that, you know, I, uh, mm -hmm. I, I always believe that, you know, that, and obviously the other people who are a part of the conversation or, you know, in the equation impact it, you know, because there are some times where, you know, if somebody else is not willing to lean in and grow together, well, then you, you can only do so much. But uh, I do, you know, I do think that the situation will kind of, and, and to me, anytime where I've hit, because I'm not saying that I have not hit roadblocks as a leader. I just don't know if they were because I was a woman. And, you know, there are certain mm -hmm. ones that I know were roadblocks because I was a woman. I mean, we had, you know, especially in the church context, theological issues and differences over, you know, roles that women should play and things like that. Uh, you know, and then you do have bias, you know, in some, you know, with some men who, you know, it, sometimes they don't even really recognize it. So I always looked at every opportunity where I felt some resistance to my leadership. I've always looked at it as an opportunity to earn the voice. Maybe that's not fair. Maybe that's not right. Maybe I should, it shouldn't, that roadblock shouldn't even be there. But the way I've looked at it, I once had a mentor say to me, she said, Jenny, how you steward your influence as a woman in this seat directly impacts every woman who comes behind you. And she was challenging me to say, yes, I know that, you know, and this was in the church context. I know you're the only woman in an executive leadership seat at this church. That's uncommon. Just, you know, in church leadership in general, this was probably 12 years ago, you know, so uh, we've come a long way since then. But, you know, it was it was very unusual for a woman to be in an executive level role at a church. 
And so she was impressing upon me that how I stewarded that opportunity would could would make the way better and easier for the women who came behind me. You know, it, it, you know, if I was just aware of that, that it, it was probably more about the women that would come up, you know, through the years than it was even about me. And I think that perspective was really helpful because it didn't make me frustrated with any resistance that I found as a woman. It made me um, grateful for the opportunity to go first. And that's what a leader does anyway. A leader goes first. And so in this context, as a woman, you know, sitting in the unusual seat of leadership that I had, I had the privilege of going first and hopefully earning the right and the influence that made the men at the table more receptive to me being there, which is what I experienced that, you know, as I sat in those seats, the, you know, it became less and less of an issue that I was a woman at the table. And, uh, and so I kept my eyes on saying, you know, and I am doing this for, you know, every person who might step into the same, you know, whether it was a board meeting or what it might be, every person who steps into this circle later is going to have a little bit better or easier experience because I went first. And I think that that really helped me in not becoming frustrated or bitter by resistance, but just really seeing it as an opportunity that I had the privilege of leading through. Let's talk about self-leadership because part of what you want to do is help leaders lead themselves well which i think is just a no-brainer concept um, you know obviously you want to make sure that you are the best person possible before you try to lead other people and so i just i'd love to hear you talk more about self-leadership yeah you know and this is a deep passion of mine and you kind of hear it even woven through the thread of the conversation so far that I really do think that we have to lead ourselves well in order to lead others better, that there is a responsibility as leaders to just be self-aware, to understand our, you know, what's going on with us and know that that's going to come out on others. You know, so when I reflect back on that story that I shared about that first role in the music business where I had the opportunity to lead the department, lead the team, and, you know, I was being um, micromanagey and, you know, overly controlling with my team. Well, the reason why I was doing that was because I was insecure and I was afraid of failing. So I was overcompensating for my fear and insecurity, which then, you know, created a, you know, an unhealthy version of me leading my team. And so the more aware we are as leaders, the more we understand kind of our propensity to, you know, whatever it might be, you know, whether it's fear or it's insecurity or whatever might be the thing that, you know, can kind of be the trigger point for you, the more we understand that, then the, the, the better leader we're going to be, the more self-aware we're going to be, and the more um, cognizant we will be of how that shows up to the people around us, because it does. I mean, all of us know, you know, it, you know, the leader who, you know, we're walking on eggshells around, or you walk into the office and they're like, oh, don't talk to Bob today, you know, because we know the look. <laughs> You know, and it's sadly, a lot of leaders have those kind of stories or reputations, you know, for one of a uh, silly example for me with one of my teams was that they enlightened me to the fact that whenever I would get frustrated, my neck would turn red. Now, you know, so I oh, had, wow. I had enough, yeah, isn't this funny? I had enough self-awareness to recognize, like making sure I kept my face, you know, calm, like, you know, I'd grown through that. But I actually, my neck would visibly turn red when I was frustrated or angry about something. And so the team alerted me to this one day. They were like, okay, this is going to make your neck red, Jen. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, when you <laughs> your neck turns red. And I was like, oh my gosh. But it was like 
they like this was a conversation they were having behind the scenes because they were like, oh, Jen's next going to get red. This is going to make her angry, you know, and I wasn't aware of it. And so then, you know, it became, you know, kind of funny language internally. They'd be like, OK, just fair warning. This is going to make your neck red. Or I would say, OK, guys, my neck's going to get red. Like, I'm getting frustrated about this, you know, and so it started <laughs> just embrace it. <laughs> yeah, just embrace it. So the more self-aware I was about that, like I even began to learn, okay, what is it about how I'm internalizing this that is actually making my body react to this way, you know? Um, so it's a silly example, but it's a, you know, it's a specific one that just identifies that we've got to be aware. It doesn't mean we need to be perfect, but the more self-aware we are of what, how things impact us and how then that shows up to the people we lead, then the, you know, just the more, uh, honest, the more uh, vulnerable we can be with our teams to go, you know what, guys, I know that, you know, so uh, another, another thing for me is that I will, uh, when I am under pressure, I get really short. And this happened just this week with my team. And I was like, okay, guys, I feel myself becoming really short and really impatient. And here's why I have, you know, all of these other things going on behind the scenes that they're not even aware of. And so I realize I'm probably not going to be able to contribute to this conversation very well because I feel myself like, you know, I feel my impatience growing and my impatience isn't with you. My impatience is with all of these other things. But because I am aware of that in myself, I'm able to name it and it helps diffuse it with my team or they have more grace for it than if I just got impatient and they had no idea why. You know, so again, mm. there's probably a zillion examples we could use, but I think the self-leadership piece is um, paying attention to, um, you know, and I think personality assessments and tools can be a really great resource in this. Um, you know, as a, you know, a women of faith, like our, our, just that understanding of spiritually, what is going on with me? How am I, um, really understanding those dimensions of our lives, uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, like, how am I, am I okay? You know, kind of that check in with mm -hmm. yourself. We don't often do cause we're so busy, you know, just being focused on the things we have to do that we aren't always checking in to go, okay, am I leading myself? Well, how am I, am I self-aware? How do I need to be more self-aware, et cetera? So it sounds a lot like self-care, you know, I mean, you do the, the same things with making sure, am I resting enough? Am I, you know, getting the nutrition I need? Am I exercising? So it sounds like kind of a byproduct of self-care, honestly. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It absolutely starts with that. And then it's, you know, because another way to, so yes, I mean, I know my husband will ask me, um, have you had your run today? Because I run pretty regularly and that's kind of, you know, physical outlet, like, you know, and he can tell if I'm getting agitated that I probably haven't been out for a run. I haven't gotten some physical exercise and he will go, you know, we'll be on the phone talking. He'll be like, okay, go take your run and then call me back. You know, because he's like, you need to take care of yourself. You're getting, you know, you're getting squirrely. Um, so, yeah, so it's, you know, it's that. It's in eating well and knowing how all of those things affect your ability to function well. And then in the leadership side, the self-leadership side of it is, you know, how am I growing? You know, what do I need to learn? What do I need to be aware of so that I am a step or two ahead of our team so that I can actually lead them somewhere, you know? Um, for me, because I do so much speaking, writing and teaching, I have to have a lot of time for reading and reflecting and learning because if I'm always, you know, pouring out, I have nothing, you know, if I'm not taking in and I'm not constantly learning and growing, that I'm going to have nothing to give. 
And so great self-leadership is really cognizant of all of those dimensions of my life and how they, you know, how, you know, how they impact me and how that shows up to the people I lead. And now, and unfortunately, popular struggle that our audience faces is doubting that they can even be leaders. Um, you know, even if they feel this very obviously definite call or pull from God to pursue a leadership role, they just continue to resist because they just don't see themselves in that position. Mm. In your experience, why do we feel that way, one, and what can we do to get ourselves more comfortable and confident with being a leader? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I think that, you know, I think we have to ask, you know, why am I resistant to the idea of leadership? Why am I resistant to the role of leadership? You know, is there a fear? Is there an insecurity? Is there some doubt somewhere? Um, You know, what is it that makes me resistant to the idea of leadership? You know, sometimes it's that we've had some really bad examples and that's our only like idea of leadership. So we're like, I don't want to be that. Sometimes it's a confidence issue that, you know what, I just, I don't know if I can be that. So I think you've got to ask the questions of, you know, why, why do I doubt this? I think also we can have a very limited view or understanding of leadership. So we will have a picture of what a leader looks like. And if we don't completely match that, we think we're disqualified. And so I think of, you know, what's healthy for us as um, women, you know, and leaders in general, but for us as women leaders is to understand, you know, how am I wired? How am I gifted? How have my experiences shaped me? My book, Clout, kind of dives into this because it's the subtitle is discover and unleash your God-given influence. And often I'll tell people, if you don't like the word leadership, I want you to think the word influence, because if you just begin to think about the people that you have influence with day in and day out, it'll help you get a little bit healthier picture of leadership. You know, that leadership really begins with an understanding of the influence that you have. So, you know, one of the ways we get more confident and comfortable with being a leader is understanding, again, kind of understanding ourselves. So, you know, um, what are some of my gifts? What are my abilities? What are my strengths? What are some of the experiences and the opportunities that I've had in my life? And how have they shaped me And how has that equipped me to give something back to the people around me? Like, how can I speak into this person's life whom I have influence with based upon, you know, who I am and how I'm uniquely equipped? And, uh, and I think, I think the most healthy thing we can do is not try to mimic another leader, but to really seek to understand who we are and lead from that place. And, um, and that's, again, that's going to look different for each one of us, but that's where you get more comfortable and you get more confident is going, I'm not supposed to be Jordan or Jenny. I'm supposed to be me. Like I'm supposed to be, you know, this person that, that God has wired me and created me to be. And here's, you know, here's some of the gifts that he's given me. Here's some of the experiences that have shaped my life. And I can use those to influence the people in my life and in my world. So that healthier understanding of who you are, I believe gives you that, you know, makes you more comfortable and gives you that confidence to really step into leadership. It's letting go of and ignoring the imposter syndrome, honestly. For sure. Yeah. 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 And we we're so like susceptible to that. And I think for as much as I love, you know, all of the tools and the social media things that we have at our disposal that help us like stay more connected to one another, I think it also creates more opportunities for us to compare ourselves. And Definitely. in that comparison, we can kind of diminish the uniqueness of who we are. 
And it's like, it's like, you know, sometimes I feel like we've, we've all resorted to middle school again, <laughs> you know, like I look back at my middle <laughs> yeah. school years and I'm like, Oh, you know, I just wish I could go back and tell middle school Jenny to quit trying to fit in with everybody and just be, <laughs> be her, you know? And yeah. uh, in some ways I feel like some of our, you know, our tools, especially social media wise have like, you know, caused us all to resort to that, you know, uh, season of our lives where we're constantly comparing and, you know, are we measuring up and we lose our uniqueness in that. And I know that's not a new subject, but I think we just have to hear it over and over and over so that we're not, not diminishing the uniqueness that we bring. Because again, that's, that ought to bring us confidence and, and off, you know, but instead, you know, the comparison causes us to shrink from it instead of to um, step into it. So I think we just have to be aware of that and really like push ourselves on that and find good accountability. Like people around you who are like, no, wait, you absolutely are a leader. And here's where I see you leading. Here's where I see you having influence. And my guess is that every woman listening to this podcast, if I said, go tell your, you know, your best friend, you know, what you see in her, where you see her influence thriving and how you see her leading, you would be able to tell her that all day, but we aren't as kind and gracious with ourselves. So, you know, maybe you need to go get a, get a good girlfriend and sit down and like do that, give each other that gift of here's what I see in you. Here's the influence that you have. Here's the leadership potential that you have. Here's the uniqueness about how God has wired you and equipped you and gifted you. This is what I see that is beautiful in who you are. And I think if you just did that reciprocal, you know, if you did that for one another, that could be just a beautiful gift that would give you more of that confidence to step into those opportunities. Well, and I feel like you mentioned before you had a mentor. I mean, I feel like that's such a big part of what a mentor can offer to yeah. a mentee is just yeah, for that sure. outside opinion, that mirror that they don't want to face, <laughs> but yeah. you know, just a, a sounding board and somebody that's going to sit there and be their advocate and tell them, no, you can do this. You are good enough. And this is why. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I would encourage, like, I, I always think, you know, and cause sometimes the mentor thing, then we can, uh, you know, like, how do I find it? How do I create it? And mm -hmm. I think just recognizing, you know, also being that for somebody else, you know, like I, you know, I think we have to look for people who are mentoring us and then also be intentional to mentor others. Cause there is always somebody just a couple steps behind you. So be, be intentional for that to go both directions. So once you've gotten over this hurdle of believing you can be a leader, you then face the task of figuring out how or what mm. kind of leader you are. And thankfully you have another book to help with that. So tell us a little bit more about what led you to write your latest book, The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership. Yeah. And you know, The Four Dimensions book is, was really me kind of working out my leadership journey. So, you know, I told you about that, you know, experience I had in the early days of working at the record company where I realized, oh, I'm a horrible leader, like, and <laughs> I've got a lot to learn. And, uh, and so I began to just discover that, you know, there's this relational side of leadership of, you know, building relationships with people. There's, as a person of faith, there's a spiritual side of my leadership, my character, my integrity, my morality needs to show up in who I am. Like, you know, my faith needs to show up even if I'm in a context where I can't be as overt about that. Um, you know, I need to be strategic because there's just, you know, things I need to do to help get done the work that needs to get done. And I need to be able to cast vision, whether it's a vision that I'm setting or it's a vision that I'm owning on behalf of my organization or company. 
that, you know, being able to cast vision and keep people aligned with that vision of where we're going and why we're going there is so critical. So I kind of landed on those four things being really critical to my success as a leader. And then I happened to be reading through the Gospels and uh, came back upon what we know as the great commandment, you know, pretty familiar passage to people of faith where Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know that. You know, like that's a familiar. I've learned that in Sunday school. But as I looked at it, I thought, you know, it's really curious. It's love God, love others. And I think I think the first act of leadership, you know, leadership ought to be about loving the people that we have the influence and the opportunity to lead. You know, it should it absolutely should start there. So I was like, okay, great commandment is a really key anchor to healthy leadership. And then as I looked at with, you know, Jesus says to love God and love others with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And I thought there are those four things I've been wrestling with. My heart is the relational side of leadership. The soul is the spiritual side. The mind is the strategic part of, you know, we have to make plans. We have to set goals. We have to build budgets. We have to, you know, get stuff done. Um, And then strength is like vision because vision provides hope. The Bible says that without vision, people perish. And so when we know where we're going and why we're going there, there's a strength that it gives us to keep going and to stay after it. And I thought, you know what, how beautiful that, you know, we don't have to come up with all kinds of framework for leadership, you know, separate from scripture. It's like right there in the great commandment, you know, I think you can look at that. You can use that verse as a framework for even what healthy leadership looks like, that a leader loves God and loves others with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so that, again, that has just shaped who I am as a leader. And I really look at my leadership through those four things all the time. Am I really trying to relationally connect? Am I using my heart with the people that I have influence and leadership with? Um, Is my soul showing up, you know, when I'm, when I'm leading, you know, and, and again, if you're in a Christian context where your faith can be more overt, that's amazing. But even in a context where maybe you can't be as overt with your faith, you know, when your character and your integrity is in alignment with, uh, with scripture, that's, that speaks volumes. People are curious of why, why are you such a person of integrity? Why are you, why do you have such moral standards, you know? And so there are ways for your soul to show up in leadership, even if you can't be overt about your faith. And then, you know, both vision and strategy, you know, those, those come a little more naturally in most leadership environments. But I have found that when I have an eye on all four of those dimensions, I am a healthier leader and people get a better version of me. And so um, that's just a tool that's really, really been helpful for me. And, um, and you know, there's uh, obviously you can check out the book, but we also have a leadership assessment um, where you can go like, you know, and you can find this on my website, but you can go assess yourself to kind of learn which one of those dimensions are you naturally stronger in. You know, some of you are really relational. So your heart kind of shows up first. I'm really strong in mind, the strategic side. And so that usually shows up first. And it just gives you some back to the self-leadership piece. It gives you greater awareness of how you more naturally lead and then how you can develop um, more in each of those dimensions. Awesome. And we will for sure be linking to that in the show notes. For anyone who is currently a leader, what are some warning signs to keep an eye out for that may signal maybe a current or even a future leadership issue? Mm, That's a great question. So I think the starting point for this is 
just goes back to that self-leadership conversation of what are your warning signs? What are your triggers? You know, that, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing so well. The, the, the healthiest version of me as a leader is not go is a, is about to not show up, you know? And so I think, I think self-awareness is a really key foundation point for that so that you're aware of, you know, what are the signals I need to be paying attention to? Like, again, for me, it's impatience. When I get really impatient, I know that I'm not doing well. And I, you know, I need, I need to pay attention to the things that rejuvenate me. Um, and then, you know, and I think every context, you could probably answer this a little differently. Um, I think that, um, when you know, I, there's simple things, like if you're looking at it from a team concept, if, if people are, uh, if people are, so some of the signals for me, if somebody is, if, if I have a staff person say, Hey, I'm really sorry to bother you. I know you're super busy. That usually is a warning sign to me that they like, they're afraid to bug me. And the more they're afraid to bug me, the less they're probably communicating to me. So that, you know, some, so you, sometimes you got to watch for those signs of, are people starting to tiptoe around me because, or they just are, you know, I know you're busy, but you know, and, and when people start to give you clauses, you know, before they ask you something that, that is an indicator to me that we are probably too busy and not engaged enough with our staff to lead them well. So there's sometimes little mm -hmm. things like that. Um, also in the context of teams, if people aren't laughing and people aren't having fun occasionally, not all the time, there's work to do, right? But if there's never light moments within your team, in your meetings, just around the office, et cetera, that's a sim symptom to me that, um, that something is not, you know, something's off, you know, cause great teams also have fun together and work hard together. So those are also some things that, you know, symptoms that you might be kind of watching out for to go, okay, are we, are we good? Are we healthy? Am I healthy? Is a team getting the best from me, et cetera? So those are the kind of the first things that come to mind. So leadership in and of itself, if you just think of the word leadership, you just think of something that's like corporate and really official, but leadership can be outside of the workplace. You know, you can be a leader mm. at church, leader in your house even. So what are some universal leadership principles that apply to the leaders in the workplace, in the church, in the home? And then also, what are some unique challenges for each of those areas too? Hmm. Yeah, I think I would say some of the universal principles are that leadership is all about others. That, you know, part of what we need to understand is like, like opportunities to lead are not really about us as the leader. It's really about the people that we get to lead, that we get to pour into, we get to develop them, we get to draw out their gifts, we get to help them succeed. And so that's one of the first perspective, like, you know, principles that I would say is really important that leadership is not about us or for us. Leadership is all about others. I think that's universal in any context. Um, and then I would say challenges wise, um, I, people are complex and, you know, and so when you put my crazy with your crazy, like it's not always going to be smooth sailing. Oh, that probably <laughs> sounds bad. Right. But like I'm dysfunctional and unhealthy at times. And the people I lead are going to be dysfunctional and unhealthy at times. And so part of my responsibility as the leader is to go first. So I've got to lead myself. Well, I've got to understand, you know, when am I not healthy you know, and I'm not, I mean, there's always an element of unhealth because I'm human, but like, 
you know, how do I make sure the healthiest version of me shows up as much as possible? And then how do I attempt to draw the healthiest part of each of the people that I get to lead? How do I help bring that out of them rather than frustrate them, diminish them? Um, how can I bring out the best of them? And so I think that's the unique challenge, you know, in all of those contexts is that leadership is all about people and people are messy and people are complex. And, you know, we are hard to figure out sometimes. And so I think just, you know, I think that was one of the ahas for me is like, oh, you know, it's not like I can, I've got to really account for the uniquenesses and the nuances of every person. And that makes it really, you know, it makes it challenging but it also can be really beautiful. So yeah, that the challenge is the people. <laughs> if it weren't for people, leadership <laughs> would be easy, but then there'd be nobody to lead. So yeah. Exactly. Oh, I hear you. So before we wrap up, um, I have a few questions from our listeners. We always put out a all call for any questions about the topic that we're going to be discussing on the podcast. So for leadership, I put out a call. Mm. And so we had some questions come in that I think will be very interesting <laughs> to have you answer. Um, And actually, the first two are going to be from the same girl, Caitlin. Um, Her first question that we have is, how do you build a decision-making matrix for career choices? Mm. You know, I love love that she's even asking the question. I think that, yeah, which is so good. Uh, Here's here's what I think is really important. And And my experience has been, I don't think we do this early enough in that, really defining a personal sense of mission, vision, and values, like really knowing, you know, because a lot of times we set our sights on a role that we want to play, whether that's a specific job or, you know, something that we want to do. And we attach our identity to the role and the job versus really having a clarity of, you know, what's my personal mission in life? Like, again, how am I wired? How am I gifted? How can I use those things? Um, one of the things that I extract from the, the story of Nehemiah out of the Old Testament is that he knew who his people were. He knew that he was called, you know, his people were the Jewish people. And his, um, uh, you know, so he knew who his people were and he knew his purpose was to help them, you know, rebuild the wall. And I think that all of us need to know, you know, who is that? Who am I called to serve? Who am I called? Like, so for me, I am called to lead leaders. And that will show up in all kinds of different contexts, you know, and I can do that in a lot of different roles. And, um, and, and my, uh, my, the vision of that is, you know, I'm called to lead leaders and I'm called to help equip them to, to lead better. I mean, so it sounds really simple, but that's the essence of, of, I think my wiring and my gifting is to help leaders lead better. So I can do that as an executive director of an organization. I can do that as the founder of the Foresight Group. I can do that in a number of contexts that isn't related to my specific job. But knowing those things is going to give me the filters that help me make career choices that are in alignment with that sense of vision that I have and values that are critical to me. So my, I got a little long-winded on that. I would, I would distill it to this, that get clear on your personal sense of vision or mission and understand the values that you want to drive what you do with your life. And then if you have clarity of those, then you're going to use that as the filter to help you make decisions about where you will use, you know, where you will, will give your time career wise so that it's in alignment with that personal sense of vision and values. For Caitlin's second question, uh, she asked, how can I be confident in my gifting and career without being prideful or 
Mm, great question. Well, and I think this is where you just need good people around you who speak truth because there's a fine line there, right? There's a confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the phrases that I personally love that helps me with that a little bit is that I use the phrase humble confidence. How can mm-hmm. I humbly like step into the responsibilities and the opportunities God has given me and placed me in, but confidently step into those same opportunities and because God has, God has placed me there. So there's a humility and wow, God has chosen me to be able to serve in this way, to lead in this way. Wow. I can be confident that God has placed me here. He has given me this opportunity. I need to step into it without second guessing it. Right. And so the best way I know to do that is use those two words side by side. Am I being humbly confident, right? Humble that God has placed me here, confident because God has placed me here. And um, that tends to help me. But I also think that, you know, good people around you who will call you on it and, you know, and, and challenge you when you tip over into, okay, now you're being a little prideful and arrogant right now, you know, <laughs> or, hey, you're not being confident enough. Like you're second guessing yourself, you're doubting yourself, you're being insecure and you actually need to go after it because you're here. Like you are here. God has opened the door. You are, you know, you have this opportunity. Don't shrink from it. So, um, I think it's a tension to manage. And, uh, that's a big part of leadership is that we manage a lot of tensions. We can't, they're not always problems that can be easily solved. And so I think that's a tension we have to manage and, uh, perspective and then good people around us is critical to help us manage it. The last question is from Claire who asks, how do leaders maintain a positive outlook in front of their teams when they're going through personal issues? Uh, yeah, good self-awareness, even in the asking of the question mm-hmm. is, you know, recognizing that, you know, there we, and, and this sometimes the people we lead don't, won't know all that's going on in our lives. Cause sometimes it's just not appropriate or, you know, whatever the circumstances might be. But again, if we remember that leadership is all about others, then, you know, we've got to recognize it's not that I'm wanting to, you know, ignore the fact that there are some real things going on in my life that I'm having to navigate. But if, if those are disproportionately impacting my role as a leader, I've got to be aware of that and either acknowledge it to my team. Cause sometimes we are going through something really challenging personally, and it is, it may be very appropriate and healthy. And this is where you just need discernment and the context of your team and your organization will dictate whether this is appropriate. But sometimes you might be going through something really challenging personally that is showing up at work and you may need to invite your team, just give them a little insight to say, Hey guys, I can't give you all the details, but you know, I'm going through something personally and I'm guessing that probably is showing up in how I'm engaging with you all. I may be a little more impatient. I may be a little more reclusive or I actually have to be out of the office a little bit more. I want you to know that, um, I can't, you know, again, can't give you all the details, but I may just be a little off this week or, you know, whatever the duration of the situation is. Um, so I think sometimes it's appropriate to just give a little bit of insight, you know, and you, you can determine the level of detail that makes sense. Sometimes, you know, you're going through something and you don't need to bring it to your team, but you, so then you need to be aware of that and you need to understand, okay, how do I help myself shift gears and be more attentive and more aware and more present with my team in spite of what I've got going on over here? I've got to, I've got to acknowledge that my team still needs the best that I can bring them. And, um, 
so I'm not trying to be false, but I've got to look for, because she says, how do I maintain a positive outlook? I've got to look for what is good, you know, and that's, that's one of the tools that's really helpful for me that typically when there's something going on in one dimension of my life that's hard, it doesn't mean that everything in my whole life is bad, you know? So mm -hmm. like looking and going, okay, what is good? You know, what is true? And then what can I do to continue to um, not let the, the, the hard part of my life, you know, overtake everything else? You know, um, one example of this that uh, I often share is that when I first moved to Nashville, I was so poor. Like, I mean, I was working multiple jobs, trying to make ends meet. You know, I was chasing the dream job. And I literally um, would buy a jar of peanut butter and a loaf of bread every week. And that's pretty much what I lived on. And wow. I, but like I was in the season where from a career standpoint and chasing my dream standpoint, like there was so much good going on. Right. And so I call it my peanut butter days that there are seasons <laughs> where there will be one. Yeah. Like, and, and funny enough, I still love peanut butter. Like, I don't Aww. even know how that is possible after I <laughs> ate so much peanut, peanut butter. butter. Right. I mean, I still, I like, I do have a bit of an obsession. I probably eat peanut butter once a day, but you know, but <laughs> So, but I think that perspective to go that when there's one area of my life that is not, you know, you know, is, is not doing great. It doesn't mean that every area of life is bad. And so I've got to choose my perspective, not denial, but just perspective to say, Hey, I can't miss where God is at work and where he is doing things. This, this part of my life might be really hard right now, but there are other parts of my life that there is some beauty and there are some good things going on. And I don't need to miss those because of this. And so again, living in the tension of both. And I think Claire's question is a good example of self-awareness that she's saying, I recognize I have a responsibility to my team, even though I'm going through something personally and um, awareness of that. And then going, okay, how do I navigate it in a way that's healthy for my team? Not dismissive, dismissive of the challenge and the hard part that I'm walking through. But, um, but recognize again, leadership is about others. And I've really got to make sure I'm putting them first. Jenny, thank you so, so much for talking with us today. I know this has been incredibly enlightening to me regarding leadership. And, you know, I don't, I don't lead very many people, if any, just basically me. So the self-leadership thing kind of really rung true with me, but, you know, just in the future, I know for sure I've got some great tips. Um, so thank you for that. Do you have anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? Well, first of all, thank you so much for the opportunity to have the conversation. And I hope, uh, it, it, you know, you all have been encouraged or just inspired to keep leading well, because if I know anything, I know that we need you to understand that sphere of influence that you've been given, that there are people in your life, whether you have a position of leadership or not, there are people in your life that need you and you bring something unique to them. So my encouragement to be to everybody listening would just say, Take an inventory of your sphere of influence, like who's in your life day in and day out from family to friends to neighbors to coworkers, whether you have a position of leadership with them or not, you have influence in their life. And, you know, how might God want you to just be a little more intentional with that influence? And some of you, you do have positions of leadership. And so you have a disproportionate uh, role of influence in the lives of your teams just recognize that you have such a privilege, such a gift to pour into the lives of others and just be looking for opportunities to steward that well and to be intentional because it's really not about um, the amount of influence or, you know, how big your circle of influence gets or, you know, all of that. It's really the recognition that each person that you have influence with 
the impact that you can have on their life and their story is equally significant. And so be intentional with stewarding your influence well, because you have the power to change and affect the lives of others. So whether it's one life or 1000 lives, like be intentional with that. And you're going to, you're going to like, you're going to see the fruit of it and it's going to be so rewarding. So thanks for having me and such a privilege to share with you all. We're glad you joined us for this conversation about leadership and why you need to be able to lead yourself well before you can lead others well. For more information about this episode's guest and to access the links mentioned, please visit our website, forwardwomen.org. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N.org. And then click on the podcast graphic on our homepage. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth.